Hello, I'm Nicola Dean, and this is Safeguarding Matters with the Ancraft Trust. Hi, everybody. Um, I'm here today with Fiona Reid and Nathan Stephens, and also my colleague Ruth Ingram. And we've just attended a really good seminar run by Fiona and Nathan, and we carried on talking afterwards, and then we said, let's create a podcast. So here we are, we're creating a podcast. Um, Fiona, can you introduce yourself to everybody? Yeah, hi everybody, I'm Fiona Reid, I'm CEO for Disability Sport Wales. Thank you, and Nathan? Uh, yeah, I'm Nathan Stevens. I'm one of uh, Disability Sport Wales's Senior Performance Pathway Officers and also the welfare and safeguarding lead for the organisation as well. Smashing. Thank you. And Ruth? I'm the safe. Hello, I'm the Safeguarding Adults Manager for the Ancraft Trust in Wales. Yeah. And Ruth, I think you were the person who thought that Fiona and Nathan would be um, good to present on this. Um, what was your thinking behind the seminar? Well, it was our thinking. Um, we were in a conversation that went um, something like, what do people think of safeguarding adults? And um, the feedback being well, there's this issue really that um, labelling people as adult at risk is quite problematic in all sorts of different ways. Um, and that this concept of who is and who who doesn't fit in this box that gets extra help from the local authority is just quite uncomfortable. How do we reflect that in training? How do we reflect that um, Yeah, in, in all the things that we're doing? Um, and we started this conversation and um, I thought, you know, this is really interesting. This is actually something that everybody needs to hear and everybody needs to be part of because it's core to sport in Wales and everywhere. Um, getting this thing about safer culture right so um, I went please and yeah went, thank yeah, you okay. <laughs> so the session was called what makes a more inclusive culture um can you just tell us what you were talking about in the session I think I think to summarise, Nicola, it, it's really just ensuring that as a as a base for everything that you do, including safeguarding, the inclusive culture is so important, not just in terms of how your team feels or how, how and when I say team, I mean team of employees, but also, you know, it could be a sports team, it could be a team of coaches, it could be it's it's regardless of who is engaged with you as as, as an organization, having inclusion at the heart of what you do and ensuring that your your values are inherently inclusive will have a positive impact on on everything that you do including safeguarding and the way that you bring safeguarding around I think that you know the conversation that Ruth and Nathan and I were having originally was was kind of born almost out of a frustration that where equality concerns or equity concerns are, are raised within organizations they often automatically get signposted into safeguarding and it it was that kind of con that reflection that that Nathan and I often have around why is this a safeguarding concern this is an equality and diversity and inclusion concern that really needs to be addressed through practice and an anticipatory duty um, and an intent to to kind of be inclusive rather than it coming to a safeguarding officer or a, a lead advisor so it, it was really the you know 
I think people kind of get to the point where something happens within an organisation or a, a, a session and they think this is now a safeguarding issue, whereas if it had been an inclusion issue at the, at the starting point, it would never have been anything beyond just making sure that you listen to a person and that you engage them fully and empower them to be engaged. Yeah, I was just going to say, Nathan, can you what what do we mean by an inclusive culture? Because we hear all these words, you're saying inclusive, equity, and I start to go, oh, I don't really know what you're talking about. What does it mean to be truly inclusive? At the heart of it, it's just putting that individual at the centre of the, of the discussions. It's everything that you do within an environment. It's for the best of that individual. But it's that individual's decision. It's not making a decision on behalf of someone. It's including them in the conversation. Because ultimately, it's they're the ones who are going to be impacted or have an impact on. So if they're not inherently involved in from from the outset, you're just making potentially wrong assumptions, and that will then potentially lead to a safeguarding issue in the future because you're one you're neglecting their opinions, two you're going to be potentially emotionally um, affecting affecting them and putting them into a box that they don't want to be put into. So whether it be coaching or managerial or or just a, an organisational administration side of things, it's the person who is going to be affected by a decision needs to be involved in that decision. Um, and, and it's just having them conversation and asking the appropriate questions. Because I, I said, I was saying just afterwards the session, people are a bit frightened of that and they think, can I ask that? So but, Yeah, it, it, it's a difficult one, isn't it? It's If you don't ask the questions, you're not going to get the right answers. And by not getting the right answers, you're effectively putting that person at greater risk. So I'd take the risk of asking potentially a wrong question yeah. to get a right answer from the individual than not asking the question at all. Yeah. It's more, I mean, even as I'm saying it, it's more about people's insecurities about themselves as a person rather than thinking about the other person. It's me being a bit frightened maybe about the answer or thinking, oh, did I say yeah. it the right way? And I've fallen into and I still have insecurities about asking questions. But uh, as Fee said, to, to, to be able, to, if you've in, created an environment of honesty and trust from the, from the outset, then you should be able to ask any question at all and know that actually I'm asking for, for a right reason, not for a wrong reason. Uh, and get everybody feeling comfortable to ask them inappropriate and it's, it's all about being uncomfortable or being comfortable with being uncomfortable isn't it and and going back to their metaphors and allowing people to, to open have open dialogue and openness and honesty and trust to kind of get the best best inclusive culture and environment possible yeah that's really good I started to think about lots of different things as you were talking then um but I was thinking about the language that we use and people are sometimes worried about the language we use and you had a real good discussion in the session about um the language of um vulnerable adult um can one of you just say about vulnerable adult and why people don't want to be labeled as being vulnerable um yeah in terms of it's the is the notion i think it's the the kind of the synonymous way that disability and vulnerable are kind of used interchangeably and the risk that that then creates in terms of um the the sport context or the employment context and what that what that causes so disabled people are not always vulnerable and vulnerable vulnerable people are not always disabled people and i think you know we're definitely moving around that that notion of vulnerability in terms of language is is about disempowerment it's about it's about having 
you know, you are going to have things done to you or done for you or done by, you know, because of the conditions that you you bring with you to your environment, whether yeah. that's that you're a disabled person or that that's because you're experiencing domestic abuse or, you know, you have a, a, a specific relationship with drugs or alcohol or whatever else in terms of the legal definition. And I think the fact that vulnerable adult was the, was the, the language used for so many years, it's led to this preconception of, of um, dependency um and it shouldn't be that i think you know the the and i and also the assumptions that that come with that just in terms of disability um that that not every disabled person will be in receipt of of care intervention or services um that you know all disabled people are incredibly independent to a greater or lesser extent and it's our job as organisations to empower that independence. As soon as we start taking independence away, we create vulnerability. So it's not that people are vulnerable, it's that we create vulnerability. That's why I think the social model works around safety, because for me, it's about barriers to safety. It's you know about what you're saying about preferred methods of communication and not, not everybody's got access to someone else who can hear hear what they're saying hear what they're communicating um it's about physical barriers to safety it's about to me it's about a rela- like you were saying Nath, it's about that relationship between the environment and the person and we can all be in an environment that means that we're vulnerable um that that we haven't got resilience to to abuse in that situation i think it, i think it's a step beyond that as well ruth you know obviously social model of disability is the one that's preferred definitely over medical model but mm. we tend to we tend to use functional model of disability within disability sport wales where we're thinking about what people can do so mm. it focuses on rather than we're not thinking about the barriers we're thinking about what the solutions are so mm. it's very solution focused whereas you know the okay so how do we make this happen what what do we do how do we enable everybody to have an experience that will empower and and encourage growth and development and people to achieve their potential whatever that might be so you know i i think i think it's even pushing our thinking beyond the social model yeah definitely using the social model as our base because because we have to we have to can that that's the right thing to do um but but also taking it beyond that so we're not just focusing on you know what does society do in this case to stop disabled people getting into Mm. buildings etc it's you know we can do that and nothing Mm. changes but actually we have to think about what's the difference that we make so what's the solution how do we work Mm. with someone's functional ability nath nath referred to it in the in the session you know as a as a wheelchair user then then steps will bring different solutions required so you know it's not it's not that people can't it's that they're not allowed to often um and it's that paternalistic thinking which we need to which again becomes implicit within inclusive culture where you remove that paternalistic thinking and empower empower decision making and person-centered kind of content thank you yeah nathan you would you had something to say as well on this <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, th- I think it, a lot of it a lot of it's been been covered and it, it it just goes back to putting that person at the heart of the heart, heart of the discussion yeah. you know everybody will have their own vulnerabilities in different environments and it's just being able to understand the best way together to kind of to, to solve them and, and 
and yeah and get the best experience for everybody involved and once you've done it once and, and you know kind of what questions to ask and how the, the, the best way to ask the questions I think is more more important and um, yeah it'll just make make a better place for everyone won't it <laughs> yeah thank you that's a great takeaway because you, you gave us some takeaways as well didn't you and that's a great one just to put the person at the center and you know be led by them um listen you know we and Ruth we've got the safer culture safer sport campaign haven't we um yeah can you just tell us a little what bit I loved about, about yeah well what I loved about what Nathan said say yeah. at the end and I can <laughs> go, go back to Nathan speaking really but but you know for me it's those key themes coming out about yeah. listening it's about having the courage to learn. So, you know, like you said, asking the questions and and really hearing what people say so that you do learn, that you actually change yourself as a person. And because you're talking about um, difference being the way in which we all grow, um, it's, it's encountering diversity, isn't it? That's 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 how we, we can all learn and change. But also you were just really clear about leadership. I don't know whether you want to sum up that last slide, Nate, because I just thought that was... Yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll go through the takeaway takeaways yes. again and say it's just one was embedding a strong inclusion uh, inclusive culture uh, throughout the organisation and um, checking on your values and uh, build them within your team. So really embedding that inclusive culture throughout the whole organisation. Um, we talked about not just having it written in policy, yeah. but actually within the actions of the organisation. And um, listen and establish systems uh, which emphasize the value um, you place on listening um, and the messages you are given. Uh, as Ruth just said, it, it's listening to the answers that people are actually listening to what people are telling you and, and acting upon it, you know, and, and it's actively listening and hearing what is being said rather than just thinking that, yeah, yeah, I, I know what you're talking about, actually acting upon what you're being told. Um, set the tone and example for the behaviors. And, of your head coach, senior leaders, and provide training and support to development on this. So, so go, again, going back to what Ruth said, it's about the educational piece and, and that willingness to learn, that willingness to change, willingness to adapt. Um, and once that's set throughout your whole organisation and that that learning culture, Fee always says every day is a learning day because you know it is. You know you you pick up snippets and and having that really really you know proactive organization who wants to be inclusive who wants to learn more and wants to just do better and be better people and be better environments and be really overt about what to do if people feel that they aren't experiencing an inclusive culture again acting upon it you know if i i would feel really really bad if someone come up to me as a, as a coach and going you're not you know you're not providing me what I need. And my first question would be, well, what do you want from me? What can I do? What can I change? Yeah. How can I be a better coach for you? And putting that person again at the centre of that, that that conversation. You know, what really annoys me in some aspects is, you know, that coaches tend to go, I'm an inclusive coach, or I put the athlete at the heart of, of, of my coaching. And then you look at their session, and everybody's doing the same thing. <laughs> and it's like, but they're different to them and they're different to that person, but you're getting them to do exactly the same warm-up or exactly the same drills. And it's like, are you really an athlete-centered coach if that's how you coach? Um, and then take action uh, to address the behaviors and action that don't meet your standards. Uh, and so it's acting upon everything else and making sure that them environments are truly inclusive and everybody is getting the best out of them. 
Oh, that's brilliant. Thank you. Thanks for summing it all up so perfectly. And um, hopefully this is the start of a beautiful relationship between um, ACT and yourselves because we got a lot of interest and people saying they wanted more. So I think this is just the start of our sessions. But thank you both, um, Fiona and Nathan. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you want to know more about our work, check out our website, ancrafttrust.org, and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Ancraft Trust.